Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now, here's your host, E.W. Jackson. Welcome, everybody, to Truth and Liberty. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. It is great to be with you again today. I hope you've been having a wonderful day and, in fact, a wonderful week because this is Friday. And this is the week that we celebrated our 247th anniversary as a nation, 247 years of existence. I started this week talking about patriotism, and I want to end it that way as well because there are forces at work in our country that want to turn patriotism into something ugly. They want to turn it into what they call Christian nationalism, which is meant to imply that it's a kind of Nazism. They want to say that it's racism. Uh, they want to say that it's xenophobia, hatred of others, hatred of foreigners. And it's absolutely none of that. I want to encourage you as a Christian to love your country without apology. And let me again explain briefly why it is perfectly appropriate and perfectly biblical for you to do so. We have to understand that the United States of America is a providential nation, that it is a gift of Almighty God to us, that we haven't become the most successful nation in the history of mankind by luck or because we're just inherently better people. <laughs> genetically superior or intellectually superior. No, no, because we aren't. We become the most successful nation in history because God has blessed us. And I really believe that God has blessed us because we have adhered, not perfectly, but nevertheless, to large measure adhered to the Judeo-Christian principles upon which we were founded. And that fundamental principle, folks, is faith in Almighty God. Now again, I know we're not perfect, and I know we never have been. I've explained we were born as a nation in the 18th century. We developed to our independence in, what, the, the 17th and 18th centuries. So our, the first people arrived on the continent in the 1600s, we became independent in 1776. So over about 150 years, uh, we were developing toward our ultimate sovereignty, our ultimate nationhood. Those were brutal, difficult, dangerous times. People weren't talking about concepts like representative government and maybe some Philosophers were thinking of it or talking about it, but people en masse weren't talking about that, didn't know anything about it. Most people lived lives of quiet desperation, eking out an existence from day to day under leadership that they did not choose and against which they could not rebel other than by under threat of death. They, did, they, didn't, they didn't live by the concepts upon which this nation was founded. And most people had never even thought of those concepts. They took life as they found it. It was brutal. 
It was based upon conquest and subjugation. And practically everybody on earth today, if you go back far enough, will find slaves and serfs and, and, uh, and people of, of the worst kind of subjugation in your background, regardless of where your ancestors came from. That's the circumstance into which the United States of America was born. You know, the first people arrived on this continent, the first Europeans to arrive on this continent to, to really begin to settle it, did so only a hundred years after the Ottoman Empire finally lost its grip on Spain, which it ruled for 700 years. That means for 700 years, the European nation of Spain, then called the Iberian Peninsula, was ruled by foreigners, Arabs, North African Arabs, and Turks, who reigned over the Europeans in Spain. That is, I'm not suggesting that it was good or, or appropriate or moral, but it's the way life was. Into that brutality, into that chaos, into that complete absence, near complete absence of moral and spiritual clarity and decency and honor and goodness and righteousness, America was born with these wonderful, these majestic, these profoundly spiritual words. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What? What a grand vision for the way life is supposed to be. Now, our critics will all too often point out, we didn't live up to it, but thank God the standard was set. Because if there's no standard to live up to, where are you? At least there was a standard that was set. And it took time for that standard to apply to everyone. But it's happened. I don't believe there's a single person in this country today as an individual, even though they might be told something different, that doesn't have the freedom, the opportunity, to make of themselves what they will. That doesn't mean we're all born to, 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 to lives of ease or privilege or, and I'm not talking about race. Now, I think I used the example before that my children were born into a much better circumstances than I, than I was born into. Um, and, and I was born into a much better circumstance than my father was born into. And, and the children of some poor mother in Appalachia whose husband has maybe gotten caught up on prescription drugs because he took care of his family coal mining and the liberals came along and told him that coal was no good. We had to do away with coal, closed up the coal mine, left him without a job. We, he's making $75,000 a year and now he's forced to go on unemployment or work at a, a, a fast food restaurant and make 10 bucks an hour and can barely support his family. Some kid born to that circumstance of course doesn't have the same advantages as a child born to the parents uh, like uh, Robert Smith, happens to be black, who's a billionaire. I mean, no, there's no question. There's not equality in every sense. But the real ideal was 
equality before Almighty God. And that his love, his grace, his favor, his gifts, his talents, his abilities poured out upon us, allow each of us to go to the highest place those gifts will take us. Is it perfect? No, of course not. But it's better than anything else the world has ever known. Now, with that background in mind, I want to point out to you something that is happening in our country that you know about, but I want to put it in bold relief because there is an effort to literally rip this nation apart. At a, a big conference called the Essence Fest this past week, a Grammy award-winning singer by the name of Jill Scott, I don't know her, don't follow her, but I mean, obviously she made the news doing this, was asked to sing the national anthem. And instead of singing the national anthem, she perverted it, she dishonored it, she disrespected it, and here's what she sang. Oh, say, can you see by the blood in the streets that this place doesn't smile on you, colored child, whose blood built this land with sweat in their hands, but you'll die in this place and your memory erased. And she ended it with this. Oh, say, can you see, does this truth hold any weight? This is not the land of the free, but the home of the slaves. Now that's what our national anthem was turned into, a polemic against our country. This is not the land of the slaves, this is the land of the free. And if you want to excoriate America for the history of slavery, then, then go down the list to every country that's existed since human beings started creating states or cities, because there's been slavery in every single one of them on every single continent. So keep going down the list. But of course, that's not the point. The point is to somehow single out America as just the worst place in the world. This, this, is, this, this is the place. And by the way, even what she's saying is a lie. I pointed out to people that America was not built on slavery. That's preposterous. Slavery didn't, didn't catapult America forward. Slavery held America back because it perverted the free market system. It held the South back because instead of the innovation and the inventiveness that was happening in the North where slavery ended sooner, people could rest on their laurels because they had virtually free labor that they could rely on to do very dangerous, difficult tasks instead of looking for more innovative and safer ways to do it. And in fact, the skilled laborers that the North produced were far fewer in between uh, and it, uh, far fewer in number in the South because the slave masters trained the slaves to do skilled labor and then leased them out so that they could make money off of them so that the non-slave skilled labor had to compete with slave labor. How do you think that felt? That's why in spite of what people say, only 5% and this is a statistic you will not hear, but it's the truth. Only 5% of the people in the South own slaves, 5%. Now, 
the left will say, oh, but that, that number's not right because you're not including the family. Yeah, if you add to, the, to, to the, that, that number the wives, the children who lived on plantations where there were slaves, then you can get it up to close to 30%. But that means 70% of the people in the South didn't own slaves. How do you think they earned a living? It was very difficult because they were competing with slave labor and all of the capital for hiring people and putting people to work was being held by folks who for the most part already had free labor available to them at their whim. Think that catapulted the country forward? No, it held the country back. Not to mention the loss of over 600,000 lives in the Civil War. Not to mention the devastation of the South uh, by William Tecumseh Sherman when he marched through and all the other battles that took place that destroyed lives and property. How much did that cost? Immeasurable. In today's dollars, we're probably looking at trillions. But that's the lie, that's the polemic that's told. To try to keep people bitter, to keep people hateful, to keep people divided, to keep them resenting our country. We ought to be grateful every day of our lives that we wake up as Americans because we're still the freest people that the world has ever known and we have more prosperity and more opportunity at our fingertips than any other nation that's ever existed. And that's just the truth of the matter. And it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, it's still true. Well, that's what we've got. Let me give you the facts. That's what people like this are saying. Um, Anna Nicole Jones says, America was born on, uh, of slavery. The 1619 Project tries to prove that the real founding of America was for slavery. I mean, it, this stuff is, it, it is such a lie that it wouldn't even be worth responding to if so many people didn't buy into the lie. But they do. Let me tell you the truth about how America found, was founded. If you go back to the Jamestown settlement, I live not far from Jamestown. In fact, I'm expected to be there at the very spot I'm going to describe to you. Uh, in about uh, in about a week and a day, and I'll tell you about that in a moment. But the charter of the Virginia Charter of those who landed at Jamestown, what they, which they call a true declaration of the state of Virginia, they said, quote, here's their purpose. First, to preach and baptize into Christian religion and by the propagation of the gospel, to recover out of the arms of the devil a number of poor and miserable souls wrapped up into death in almost invincible ignorance. We're coming to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what they said out of their own mouths and wrote by their own hands. They weren't trying to impress anybody. There wasn't anybody to impress. But that is what was in the hearts of those settlers. They landed on April 26, 1607. Three days later, they dedicated a cross at the Jamestown settlement. That's why I'll be in about a week and a day. The Reverend Robert Hunt presided over the ceremony. He dedicated the Cape Henry Cross. And here's what he said in his dedication. We do hereby dedicate this land and ourselves to reach the people within these shores with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to raise up godly generations after us. And with these generations, take the kingdom of God to all the earth. May this covenant of dedication remain to all generations as long as this earth remains, and may this land be evangelist to the world, 
May all who see this cross remember what we have done here, and may those who come here to inhabit join us in this covenant and in this most noble work that the Holy Scriptures may be fulfilled. That's what they wrote. And, and the Mayflower, which of course landed about 13 years later, they dedicated themselves to God. Quote, in the name of God, amen, by the grace of God, loyal subjects of King James, that's the King James, by the way, who, who commissioned the translation of the King James Bible, defender of the faith, having undertaken to the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith and honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony, do by these presents solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and of one another, covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic for the advancement of the Christian faith. That's the basis of our founding. That's the basis of the original settling of this nation. It was for the glory of God. It was for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've said repeatedly, if America is to secure a future as a shining city on a hill, we must come back to those founding principles. Psalm 11.3 says, if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? Restore them, rebuild them. And these are the foundations. And everything else is a lie. And pointing out our faults and our foibles does not change the truth of who we are and what this nation started to do. And by the way, this means we are a covenantal nation because the first settlers settled here under a covenant with themselves and with Almighty God, and they said so. They covenanted together before Almighty God, and then the Declaration confirmed that covenant, and the Constitution written to secure the blessings of liberty, further confirmed that covenant. And that covenant has been confirmed by president and leader time and time and time again. The first official words of George Washington as president of the United States, his first proclamation, it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to humbly implore his favor and protection. Does it get any clearer? So what this woman is singing and what these, these leftists and frankly the Democrat party and Black Lives Matter and, and Antifa, what they're selling is a lie. And we as Christians have got to be willing to stand up for the truth before almighty God and every witness who we can speak to. Now look, next week, I am hosting a patriotic rally. We're calling it a Second Chronicle 714 patriotic rally to secure America's future. And I'm inviting you to come. It's going to be at the downtown Richmond Marriott, 500 East Broad in Richmond, Virginia, and people are coming from all over the country to be there, and I hope you will too, because it is going to take God to save this country. With all due respect to every presidential candidate, those who are in it now and those who may 
join it later. It's going to take God to get this job done. And it's going to take faith in God to get the job done. There's no human being that can do this. There's no group of human beings that can do this on our own. We need God's grace, the same grace and favor that birthed the greatest nation in the history of mankind is the grace and favor that is needed to preserve this nation at a time when there are those among us trying to destroy the foundations which made it possible. The word of, also, word of God also says um, that we should not remove the ancient landmarks that our fathers have set. And what do we do when those ancient landmarks are removed? We put them back. We put them back. And that's what this rally is to do. That's going to be Friday, this, the 14th of July. 714 was chosen symbolically because 2 Chronicles 714. 714 is going to start with a fellowship at 6 o'clock. The event starts at 7. And I invite all of you to come because we are going to cry out to Almighty God and we're going to lay it all on the line. I can tell you there is going to be a major surprise announcement on that day. It's going to be an historic moment, and I hope that you will be there to witness it. And if you can't be there, pray for us. But if you can, come. There's no charge to come, but you can RSVP so that we can be prepared for you because we will be providing some food at E.W. Jackson at EWJackson.com. That's E.W. Jackson at EWJackson.com. I don't apologize for loving my country. God first, yes. But it's out of my love for him that my love for America has emerged. You know, I joined the Marine Corps back in 1970. I stood up in August of that year, took an oath to the Constitution of the United States that I would preserve, protect, and defend it against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and bear true faith and allegiance to the same. I learned duty to my country and thank God for it. But when I became a Christian in December of 1976, God began to teach me love for my country, and I've never looked back. I realized I've got something so wonderful. God said to me, I've given you this country as a gift, and I expect you to be a steward of it. And when he said that, I understood that it wasn't just me personally. He was saying, this is my message to every American. I've given you this nation as a gift, and I expect you to be a steward of it. And he didn't say, I've given it to white Americans, black Americans, Hispanic Americans. No, he said to you, to every American. Doesn't matter the color of your skin. Doesn't matter your ancestral origins. Doesn't matter whether you're poor or rich, educated or uneducated. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what your background is, you can stand up and take on the mantle of stewardship for this country and leading it and guiding it so that it remains and indeed begins to shine brighter as that city on a hill that John Winthrop saw when he came to this land. You know, I think of, we just had, we had June 6th, then we had Memorial, or we had Memorial Day, then we had June 6th and the Independence Day, a series of holidays all coming within that uh, really two month period. And I think of the sacrifices that have been made and the many who have bled and died for the freedom that we enjoy. I think of what that flag that you see in the silhouette in, in 
the backdrop behind me represents. And I, I realize it, God has given us a gift so precious that every single American ought to really have in our hearts that same oath that I took as a Marine. Because God is the one who engineered the liberty we now enjoy. He gave it to us, but our founding fathers recognized it, acknowledged it, and enshrined it in our legal system. And now there are people who want to take it away. No, you don't have a right to the you don't have a right to freedom of speech unless you're saying what we want to hear. No, you don't have a right to freedom of religion unless your religion doesn't include anything we don't agree with. That's not liberty. We have the liberty to proclaim the truth of the word of God, no matter how it cuts. We have the liberty to say abortion is the murder of an unborn child and the denial of that child of the destiny that God had in store for him or her. It is sin and it is an abominable sin. We have the freedom to say homosexuality is wrong, not because I have that opinion, but because the word of God says it's wrong and says it's an abomination in the sight of God. Whether people like that or not, that is the truth. And they need to hear it to give them some hope of being delivered from it so that they can enjoy eternity with Almighty God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because you can't come to Jesus as a quote-unquote proud gay. He's not receiving that. We must turn to him and shed all of our pride in our own sense of sin and, 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 and entitlement and all of that. You know, when I first got saved, I remember this thought just ran through my mind over and over and over again. Oh, God, I was so wrong, and you are so right. I was so wrong, and you are so right. See, he's right. And we're wrong when we're in disagreement with him. And I have the right to say in the name of Jesus that there are only two genders, male and female. That's it. That's all. There is nothing else. Anything else is simply born of the wicked and perverse imagination of human beings who are in rebellion against almighty God. Now, every bit of that is true. But this is also true. God doesn't want to leave them in that condition. He loves them anyway. It's like he loved me anyway in my sinful condition. And he wants them anyway. Just like he wanted me and wanted you in our sinful condition. And God is reaching out. All Jesus said, all day long have I stretched out my hands toward a wicked and gainsaying generation. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you would not. He wants us. He wants them. I don't say these things that hurt people or condemn them or put them off or make them think, well, God has discarded you. I, I say these things because they're the truth. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. How in the world are people ever going to get see free if we as Christians don't give them the truth? We've got to do it. It is our obligation to do it. The Old Covenant and New warn us against not telling people the truth. 
The old covenant says if we don't do it in Ezekiel 33, their blood is on our hands. Jesus said the new covenant says unless we gather, gather people under him, we are scattering them abroad. So my brothers and sisters, I would just encourage you, if you're available, come out to our patriotic rally on July the 14th. But most importantly, you stand up for what you know is right in the sight of God. Because God is the one who is always right. Human beings without him are always wrong. We'll be back in just a moment. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. The moment you believe your healing is done and it's just a matter of time until whatever the symptoms are, are gone. Get rid of the barriers, get rid of the distractions, get rid of all of that, at least in your spirit, get convinced you're healed. When we pray for healing, what we're doing is we're just calling out a supernatural speeding up of a natural process that's already in your body anyway. Let's get to the point where we hate sickness and disease because now we know what the Spirit of God wants for us who's alive in us. We focus on what the doctors can do for us more than what God can do for us. Say, God is my healer, not the doctor. God has done everything. You're already healed. You gotta learn what some of these laws are and start flipping the switch. You're watching Truth and Liberty. I'm your host, E.W. Jackson. Great to have you with us. We are taking calls, folks. I want to hear your comments, your questions. I'm happy to take them. Call 719-619-2341. That's 719-619-2341. And we've got a caller on the line now, Robert from Florida. Robert, welcome to Truth and Liberty. Hi, Bishop Jackson. How are you doing? I am blessed, Robert. How are you? I'm good in Jupiter, and we are blessed, too. Um, amen. So my question, amen, my question today is, in the book of Philemon, I, bought, I ran into a Bible verse, verse 6, and it says that the communication of your faith becomes effectual by acknowledging every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. and I wanted to ask you, what does the book of Philemon say about servants, you know, slave servants? What does the book of uh, Philemon say about it, actually? Yeah, well, I, I, I know exactly what you're getting at. Um, look, God did not charge the Christian community with making slavery as I've said before, it was a worldwide phenomenon. And that's, during that age, I mean, it's obvious. Slaves were everywhere. The Roman Empire conquered most of the known world at that point, and everywhere the Roman Empire went, it made slaves of the indigenous population. Uh, so there's some people who read the book of Philemon 
and think that somehow the Bible sanctions or approves of slavery. But it doesn't, because God always made clear that he wanted people to be free. But you know, there are many things that the Bible acknowledges that existed that doesn't mean that the Bible approved their existence. I mean, so for example, Jesus made clear that marriage was a union between one man and one woman. But we find many of the patriarchs had more than one wife, including David and Solomon. It didn't mean that God approved it. It just meant that it was, it was what was happening in that day. And God led his people to deal with the things that were most urgent and most important to be dealt with at that time. Uh, and, and I think you see that throughout the scripture. Um, and so Jesus did not tell the disciples uh, to go out and be crusaders against slavery. He told them to go out and preach the gospel because what he knew was that by preaching the gospel, just as the book of Philemon implies there, to preach the gospel meant that people would treat each other the way they ought to be treated and they would ultimately know from the love of God that holding slaves was not a proper thing to do, was not the will of God for people. Uh, so just, I, I hope that that helps to, to clarify. I kind of made some presumptions about what you were getting at because I've heard people use the book of Philemon and use other scriptures, particularly in the Old Covenant, to suggest that the Bible approves of slavery. Uh, but I remind people that the Bible opens with a, a tremendous event. And that, that panoramic event that it opens with is the freeing, of, in the very early stages of the Bible, is the freeing of a group of people who were in slavery in Egypt. I say, so I don't know how in the world you can say God approves of slavery when one of the great events that opens the scripture, in fact, some would argue that the greatest event of the Old Covenant, because that's when the Old Covenant was inaugurated through Moses, that one of the greatest leaders in the Old Covenant, one of the two greatest leaders, Moses and Elijah, uh, how you could come up with the idea that, that God somehow approves slavery when so much of the Bible is based upon the deliverance of a group of people from slavery. So I hope that helps. Uh, let me get to a couple of other things while we're at, while I have an opportunity. By the way, if you want to call and answer, ask any question, the number is 719-619-2341. And by the way, if you want prayer or you want to obtain products, we're talking about prayer and, 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 and really pretty much any other subject. <laughs> I don't think there's any subject of the Bible that Andrew hasn't taught on at one time or another. I mean, I think he says literally over 200,000 um, tapes, sermons, productions. You, you, there's more than you'll ever digest in a lifetime. So if you want to get some of that or you just need prayer, call 719-635-1111. That's 719-635-1111. One 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 one, and to call and ask me any question, call again seven one nine six one nine twenty three forty one. A couple, of, a couple of things I want to mention. I'll come right back to the calls, folks. Uh, the stuff I just addressed. I've just talked a little bit about slavery. I've just written a book. Just came out in January called "Sweet Land of Liberty: Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves." And it really is an answer to all of the 
the, the, the horrible things said about our country, uh, it, it is not an apology for America because America doesn't need an apology. It is a, a fact-based exposition of why it is appropriate to love this country. And I say again, I know America's not perfect. I mean, come on. Only a perfect place that we're ever going to live is heaven and the kingdom of God. But I'll tell you what, it's the best place on earth to live. And if you'd like to get a copy of the book, you can get at a fifth, get the book at a 15% discount through our publishers, Fidelis Publishing. Go to uh, uh, faithfultext.com. That's faithfultext.com. And you, you can get it at a 15% discount because that's our publisher. And so you're not going through any middleman to get it. Of course, you can get it wherever books are sold. Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, Books A Million, you name it. You can, get the, you can get the books anywhere books are sold. If you'd like to support the ministry of STAND, staying true to America's national destiny, STAND, uh, you can get the book, and I'll send you a copy free, signed and numbered by me personally, if you sign up for a gift of $25 a month or more as what we call a patriot partner, a patriot partner, $25 a month or more, I will send you a free signed and numbered copy of the book. And not all the books that are going out are signed or numbered, uh, but you will get a signed and numbered copy if you sign up uh, as a Patriot partner. Go to standamerica.us. That's standamerica.us. Again, the number to call in is 719-619-2341. We've got another caller on the line. We've got Don, who's a partner, and Don is from Texas. Don, welcome. Oh, Donna. Sorry, how Donna. How are you doing? Yes, Donna. Great. How are you, Donna? I'm doing great. Listen, Good. I want to first off start off by saying you're you're so encouraging and so compassionate. You know, my you. thinking, and maybe other people's too, is when you were talking about that singer or girl, whatever, that yeah. rewrote the words. I mean, yeah. the first thing I think is put her on a boat and send her to some country over there. You know, I mean, it's like people talk yeah. so bad about America. Let them go visit or live someplace else. They don't think about that. And she doesn't seem to be doing so bad, you know, in America. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just, it just, Donna, I don't know Donna, how you Donna, can be worth, so encouraging. Donna, she's worth $12 yeah. million. Dollars. Well, see, I'm worth $12, but you're so encouraging, and, and, and it's such a blessing, you know, Thank because you, you did say afterwards, God doesn't want to leave them like that, and we all know that, but yes. it's hard. Yes, I know. I know it is, Donna, and we just have to let the love of Christ flow through us. That's how we love people, because, listen, Donna, left to my fleshly inclinations, I want to dope slap some of these people, <laughs> so... But, but when, but the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit causes us to love them, and that love is the love of God for them, and that's how we can have compassion for them and how we can want the best for them and not want to hurt them. Because, you know, after all, they're in the grips of the devil. They're really deceived and, and caught up with Satan, and they don't even know it. So, so they're captives, and they're kidnapped, but they don't even know that they're kidnapped. And so 
we just have to pray that God will remove the veil from their eyes and that they will see things clearly. Uh, as a matter of fact, folks, keep this in mind. Uh, I really believe that God is going to show us a full-blown awakening. You know, Andrew Wabach has said that we are in awakening now, and I believe that. I, In fact, I, I can say the Lord had said the same thing to me, and when he said that, I thought, man, <laughs> yes, that's what God is showing me. But it's not full-blown yet. But I think that the three decisions that came down this week from the Supreme Court, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, uh, and, and, and so many other things that are happening, the parents that are, have risen up across the country to say to school boards, you will not teach our children to be transgenders, and you will not teach our children to either hate themselves or hate others on the basis of the color of their skin. Uh, I, I think all of this are, these are signs of an awakening that is happening, and I think we are just at the cusp of something truly wonderful that is going to happen in our country. Uh, and I think we're going to look back on this era we've gone through and say it seemed like it would never end, but it, it, it did end. God intervened and brought about something that we never could have imagined to happen. You know, the first and second great awakening, they say people just began to fall on their knees in repentance, that the spirit of God was just poured out and, and, and folks, the, the, the bars in whole areas, bars closed down because nobody would go. And, you know, wonderful things began to happen. And I really believe that the same thing is going to happen in the great awakening that God is going to give us here. I think we're going to see people in Hollywood repent and say, I am so sorry that I spent so much of my time and talent selling things to people that were bad, that were wrong, that were evil. And I'm going to give the rest of my life trying to give something to people instead of sell people something, trying to give something to people that will encourage them and uplift them and bless them. And I really believe we're going to see that in all kinds of ways that we've never seen it before in our lifetime. Uh, and we're going to end up a different nation, a nation that's back to those roots that I just shared with you all, rather than a nation that is really headed toward hell. You know, the Bible says, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. We're not going to be a nation that forgets God. We're going to be a nation whose God is the Lord. We have been, and we're going to be again. Uh, two other things I want to bring up with you. Having laid that groundwork, part of what we're seeing in our country, uh, in fact, let me, let me stop. Let me start that again. What we are seeing in our country Aside from the particular issues, and we got crises in illegal immigration, we got a crisis in the economy with inflation, and, and we've got a crime crisis with, with just crime running rampant, all kinds of horrible things happening in the streets of our cities all over this country. We've got a homelessness crisis in many parts of the country where people are leaving cities because they can't live there because the homelessness is just taking over the city. Uh, we've got a, a constitutional crisis, as far as I'm concerned, with the willingness of the government to collude with the FBI and with big tech to limit our free speech and to shut people down because the government doesn't like what they have to say. That is so contrary to the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. You, it, you can't even you can't overstate the case. It is just completely contrary to everything this rep this nation represents. So there are so many crises. I mean, we just got through COVID. And what do we find out? The government lied to us repeatedly 
over and over and over again to control people, close churches, shut us down, shut us up, shut us in, force us to wear masks, force us to try to get, tried to force us to get shots that many people didn't want to take. And of course, we're paying the price for it now too, with the economy, with people dropping dead all over the country, young people dropping dead who had the shot and end up with myocarditis, swelling of the heart, and end up having heart attacks when they ought to be looking, looking ahead to 50, 60, 70 more years of life, and they're dead. We're experiencing the aftermath now. We said it came from the Wuhan laboratory in China that was part of, of uh, in a sense, either intentional or unintentional, but it certainly served as a kind of chemical and biological warfare against our country. Oh, no, that's a conspiracy theory. That never happened. And now we know, of course it happened. The first people who contracted the disease were people working in that lab. Of course that's what happened. But we were lied to repeatedly. All of that finds itself, emanates from one single root. And that single root is rebellion against Almighty God. I mean, just in the last couple of days before this program, cocaine found in the White House near the Situation Room, folks. The Situation Room is where the greatest crises facing this country are hashed out and responded to. That's where the most secret Discussions in the nation take place among the top officials who are charged with the responsibility of protecting us all. And cocaine was found near the Situation Room. I mean, it all comes from one root, rebellion against Almighty God. And if this nation is to have a secure future, that's the root, that's the foundation that must be relayed, that must be replanted, that must be rebuilt, that must be restored. Without that, the rest is just shifting around the chairs on the deck of the Titanic. We are headed for the iceberg and moving the chairs around might make people feel better, but it's not going to change a thing. You've got to change the direction of the ship. You've got to stop and receive wisdom about how to roll, how to move in the ocean of life. And what we're being told is lies. Until we come back to God, the rest is not going to work but we are coming back to God. Okay, we've got another caller on the line. Randall from Colorado. Hey, Randall, Randall, welcome. Hey, buddy. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, Thanks uh, for calling. Oh, yeah, I, I love Truth and Liberty. Um, signed up for practical practical government for third year this year. So looking hey, forward man. to Well, congratulations. All right. You're, you're yeah. about to graduate. <laughs> oh, I've already graduated. I'm, I'm coming back for, uh, I'm coming back for the concentration in practical government because hey, unfortunately hey. I was selfish. 
unfortunately, I was selfish after the Vietnam War ended and because they wouldn't let me fly helicopters. I said, see ya. Well, I'll tell you what, you're serving the country now, brother, getting, getting steeped in the word of God and, getting, and, and understanding America and its government the way it's supposed to be understood. So congratulations still. Yeah. Uh, my question is, if these pro- so-called progressives and leftists are, and social influencers are so concerned about slavery, why are they not addressing this, the, the multi-billion dollar, if not trillion dollar, sex slave industry? Hmm. Randall, thank you for the call. Thank you for the question because they don't really care. (laughs) That's the answer, Randall. They don't really care. They're not interested in people. They're not interested in whether people are slaves. They don't care about that. And, and, And certainly, I mean, all of this emotional upheaval over something that ended 150 years ago, as if it's still going on today and as if black people are still slaves and and all white people are slave masters i mean it's just just it's ridiculous but they wouldn't care let, let me remind everybody not to put too fine a point on this but the democrat party was the party of slavery the democrat party was the party of jim crow the democrat party was the party of the ku klux klan and, and the Democrat Party is now the party that is supporting the slave trade that is happening across our border with all of this illegal immigration. And by the way, the Democrat Party is also supporting the slavery that is happening in Africa to mine for the cobalt and, and the other minerals necessary to make these batteries that go into electric cars. They support all of that. Big tech is behind all of that. They're working with communist China, and you've got children, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, dying in mind collapses, dying from lung diseases because they're breathing all of this toxic dust from mining for these minerals that they so desperately need. They're making a dollar a day sometime, barely to feed their family, enough to feed their families, if, if that, and often half starving to death eking out an existence and every single big tech company and every single leftist knows it and somehow they're selling us that they're going to save the planet from global warming and we're going to go to electric cars and they're doing it on the backs of slaves in Africa and they don't have a word to say about that but they're so concerned about the slavery that happened in America that ended 150 years ago when America doesn't have a single slave, certainly not in any sense that we did then. We don't have a single slave. There's not a single person alive who's ever been a slave uh, and not a single person alive who's ever been a slave owner. But they're all worked up about that. See, because that's easy. Then they can, they can, you know, get on a high horse and act like, oh, we're so concerned and we need reparations and we got to do something about this. Oh, what about, what about the slave traffic? Uh, 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 what? I don't see anything. What, what about the, what about the, 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 the slavery in Africa to mine all these minerals? Oh, uh, I, don't, I don't, I don't know anything about that. You know, they're lying to themselves and to us. They don't care about people. 
Look at what happens to people. They care about their agenda. Look, communism, because that's what these people are, they're Marxists. That's what the Democrat Party is. They become a party of Marxism. See, Marxism sold itself to people saying, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're going to save you from the exploitation and the poverty and all of the things that are happening to you. We're gonna create a proletariat that is treated fairly. And what did they do? From the French Revolution on down, what did they do? They arrested, they tortured, and they murdered people. They starved people. They enslaved people. They basically treated people worse than what they claimed to be liberating them from in every single case. In every single case. Name one where that didn't happen. Cuba, no. Venezuela, no. North Korea, no. Vietnam, no. China, no. Russia, no. In every case, what the people had to face was a far worse horror than what they were supposed to be getting delivered from. And the elites always emerged just living the life of Riley, <laughs> having the very best of everything while everybody else suffered at their hands. No, thank you. A hundred million dead is enough to convince me that I don't, I don't need the left to sell me Marxism. That's true slavery. And we don't need any more of that. We need what America offers, true freedom. Back in a moment. You were created with a purpose. Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, he is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience his unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. This is a godly nation. It was founded upon godly principles. God is calling us to rebuild his house so that he can manifest his glory in the midst of a corrupt and pagan world. I would argue that America has been more prosperous, more successful than any other nation because we've done more in reading and applying the Bible. It is the history for Christians to speak out and to make a difference in this nation. Have you been praying about how to make your business your mission field? GospelTruth.tv Business features leadership and financial stewardship training from industry experts. Learn the next steps to building wealth and using it to grow God's kingdom. Tune in Saturdays to GospelTruth.tv Business and watch anytime with GospelTruth.tv Premium. Visit GospelTruth.tv today for biblical teaching you can trust. You're back with Truth and Liberty, and I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. I've got one more issue I want to raise with you. And again, our lines are open. The number is 719-619-2341. That's 719-619-2341. And it is this. Uh, I, I mentioned just before the break, um, when uh, uh, I think it was Randall who raised the issue, maybe it was Donna who raised the issue of, you know, the, 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 the slavery 
And why aren't they concerned about what's going on today? And I gave the answer, because they don't care. Well, this, this cocaine that's found at the White House is just another indication of that. You see, all they really care about is what they want. I mean, here you put the White House, the People's House, under a, a, a security threat, because that's what that is. When you find a, a foreign white powder in the White House, that could be anthrax. That is a major security threat. But somebody could care less. They have no respect for our institutions. They have no integrity. They have no honor. And they're willing to sell us out for a bowl of porridge. And as far as I'm concerned, that's exactly what the Biden administration has done. Uh, in, in all of this, this money that Hunter Biden has made through China and, and Ukraine and other nations, basically selling influence. And as far as I am concerned, Joe Biden's rather weak response to China and unwillingness to decouple, unwillingness to say we need independence from China, unwillingness to say we must compete with China and we must be the predominant power on earth, unwilling to say any of that. Well, why would he? Because they bought him already. <coughs> Excuse me, folks. Because they bought him. He's been bought lock, stock and barrel. But that's not really what I want to talk about. That's bad enough. But this cocaine shows how on a personal level, it just really isn't any interest or respect for our country and its institutions. So you walk into the White House with cocaine. I mean, who do you think you are? House doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the American people. And let me raise something for you that nobody else has raised. And I want you to think about this very, very seriously. We've been asking, I think, an incomplete question, which is, well, whose is it? I think that's only part of the answer. That's only part of the question. It should be, whose is it? And where did they get it? They say, well, why is that important? It's folks, if someone in the White House Let's just say we don't know yet, but let's we're speculating. Okay, so I don't want to say I don't know definitively. We'll see. We know there's a known drag, drug addict who traffics the White House, who goes in and out of the White House, and that is Hunter Biden. He's a self-acknowledged drug addict, and we know that he's used crack cocaine because he took pictures of himself using it. We know he's used cocaine because he's pictured himself using it, taking pictures of himself using it, and, and put those pictures on his laptop. So we know, without a shadow of a doubt, that the man is a drug addict, self-professed. What if the person who sold him or someone else the drugs knows that they're selling drugs to someone who actually has access to the White House? Do you realize what that implies? the potential for blackmail, the potential for extortion. And let's just take that one step further. What if the suppliers of that cocaine are the Chinese communists? Let me say, well, that, that seems a little far-fetched. Well, why would it be? I mean, they supplied Eric Fall, uh, a Swalwell with a woman. 
why would they not supply a drug addict with cocaine? I mean, perfectly logical. And we know they're looking for every way they can to buy themselves into influence in our country. I mean, they bought themselves into our universities with Confucius Institutes. They're buying up our farmland. They're buying up land strategically placed near our bases. They're flying balloons over our, our most sensitive uh, defense facilities. Why would, why would that be far-fetched to think, okay, Hunter's a drug addict. Let's make sure that Hunter can get what he needs. And then when Hunter gets what he needs, we can get what we need from Hunter. You see how dangerous this is and how little these people think about our country and our interests and our safety and our needs. I want to raise one other issue with you, but we've got someone on the line and I want to take the call. 719-619-2341 is the number and we have a call. AJ, who is a subscriber from Colorado. AJ, welcome to Truth and Liberty. Hi, Bishop Jackson. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you. I was wondering if there's any link between affirmative action and the old busing. And if we could see any similar results, like will diversity be reduced? Uh, like what reduced? Uh, would the diversity be reduced, like how busing... Uh -huh. um, yeah, yeah. Um, great question, AJ. Uh, you all know that we just had a Supreme Court decision come down that declared affirmative action uh, to be null and void, to be unconstitutional, as it was practiced by Harvard and the University of North Carolina. Um, and AJ just called and asked, do I see a relation to busing? By the way, folks, I was living in Boston, which during the busing era, sort of became the epicenter of the resistance to busing. Uh, do I see any relation? Well, yes, I do, um, in the sense, although they're really, I think kind of, let's put it this way. They're born of the same motivation, but they're two different approaches to it. When I was in Boston, I was roundly criticized for criticizing busing. And by the way, I'm not justifying some of the angry racial stuff that was said during busing. It was wrong. Never supported that. But here's what I did say. How in the world is it supposed to help black children to take them out of a poor school in the black community and put them into a poor school in a predominantly white community, which was at that time South Boston, which was a very, very close knit, still is a very close knit enclave. Uh, predominantly, but I understand it's, it's changed a lot over the years. I've been gone from there for 25 years now, changed a lot over the years, but it was a very tight-knit, predominantly Irish enclave and, and basically resistant to all outsiders of any background, <laughs> okay? No matter who you were. Um, but how was it supposed to help these children, the black children or the white children? Well, it didn't. It failed miserably. And it was an elitist idea that was doomed to failure because what they didn't understand and didn't want to understand was that the problem was not segregation. The problem was a lack of standards and quality. And yeah, in some cases, equality of resources 
uh, because the Dunbar School in Washington, D.C., and other schools across the country have proven, which is a predominantly black, by the way, very elite school in Washington, D.C., no longer exists as it did then, that produced some of the greatest black Americans that ever emerged in this country. And it was, it was a, an all-black school not because it was legally segregated, but because of course at that time segregation existed and this became a school where black people could be educated. So the black school being educated by predominantly black teachers and producing very, very accomplished people with no affirmative action. So see the, the, the problem in this sense is the same. Instead of trying to raise the standards, they tried to manipulate the people. Well, you know, we're, we're, we, we don't have to be concerned about making sure that every black kid can read and write and do math and is academically prepared because the schools are failing miserably at that. And by the way, across the board, they're failing miserably at that, but worse in the black community and probably predominantly black neighborhoods. But let, no, let's not focus on that. Let's focus on moving people around like pawns and let's lower standards to try to make sure that we get to a certain numerical parity. And you know what? It's doomed to failure, just like busing failed. Didn't do a thing to improve the education of a single child. And even if there had been no upheaval about it, it still would have failed miserably. Like I said earlier, all you're doing is moving around the chairs on the deck of the Titanic. So affirmative action, um, on an academic level has a little bit different uh, uh, element to it in this sense that it really tries rather than bringing people together so they all rise, which was at least the, the stated purpose of busing. In, in the academic world, the purpose is presumably to create parity whether people are at the same level academically or not. And somehow magically, it'll, it'll, it'll somehow make everything better in society, even though you've got one person uh, who is being sent to a school with a certain level of test scores and academic achievement, and another person doesn't have that, but they're sent there anyway. It's a formula for failure, not only for that, that uh, program, but for that particular student who is really not academically prepared. Not that the person doesn't have the innate ability but if they haven't had the, pre the preparation, they're simply not ready and trying to reward them on the basis of their skin color is only going to set them back, not move them forward. Not to mention the fact that you've got to discriminate against students who are doing exceedingly well academically because they have more discipline, because they have more commitment to the educational process and so forth. Uh, and the whole thing of affirmative action being important because somehow the testing process, the school process is is racially skewed toward quote unquote white people. I hate that phrase, but but nevertheless, then you have Asians come along and do better than the white students. So how is it racially biased? Uh, reality is it's it's biased toward achievers, which is supposed to be. And what you want to tell people who aren't achieving is here's what you need to do to achieve. That's the way I was raised. I was never told, well, you know, you can't meet the same standards as anybody else. You got to just, but, but do the best you can. And you know who told me that? 
liberals. My father didn't tell me that. Liberals told me that. And when I got ready to apply to Harvard Law School and told my professors I was going to go to Harvard Law School and I wanted letters of recommendation from them, now look, a straight-A student, summa cum laude, Phi Beta Kappa Key, you know what they told me? Well, black people don't do well on the LSATs. I would lower my sights if you were you, if I were you, and try to get into a school you can more likely get into. I am not exaggerating, folks. That is exactly what they told me. But because of the way I was raised, when I heard that, I said, well, I guess I'll just show you. <laughs> I said, well, we'll just see about that. And then I went and I spent months taking the LSAT as a practice exam. I spent on my own. I didn't go to any school. Pay for, I just went and did it on my own and timed myself, sat down. 30 minutes to do this section, I'd take 30 minutes, grade myself. 30 minutes to do this section, I'd take 30 minutes, grade myself. When I walked through the LSAT exam, finally, in preparation to go to law school, nothing was a surprise to me. Because in one sense or another, I'd been through it all. I put myself through it. Had I never done that, I probably wouldn't have done as well. I didn't need any affirmative action on my LSAT score because I did well. Now, if I hadn't done that, I might not have done as well, but it, didn't, it wasn't because I didn't have the innate ability. It was because I didn't have the preparation. And, and thank God those liberals helped me get the preparation by telling me black people don't do well. Yeah, okay. So at any rate, enough affirmative action. Let me come back to the one point I want to make before we have to go. I said, faith is the most foundational principle of this nation. Faith in almighty God, the God of the Bible. Here's the second thing that we've got to rebuild. This family is going to have a bright future, and that is family. And I have to take a moment to say, that one of the most despicable, disgusting things about President Joe Biden and the Biden family is their refusal to acknowledge that he has a seventh grandchild, a daughter who Hunter had with a woman out of wedlock, and that that child is just, in much, just as much in need of love and affirmation as any of his other grandchildren. And the fact that he treats that child like she doesn't exist and is encouraging his son to treat that child like he doesn't exist, to me is so despicable, so disgusting. It, 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 is, it is just, it is beyond the pale, frankly, folks. It is beyond the pale. And I think I may have said earlier, but I was raised in foster care, born into a broken home, raised in foster care. I, I, I have a particular antipathy toward people who treat children this way. Because I know what it is for to be asking yourself, what's wrong with me? What did I do wrong that my parents aren't here or that they don't care about me? It turned out my father very much did care and ultimately took me out of foster care and changed the trajectory of my life. But before that, I was an angry, rebellious kid and I was on my way to jail or worse. Now, for the Biden family, with all the wealth that they pretty much stole from the American people using the privileges we've given them as public, given him as public official to enrich himself, that aside for the moment, with all the influence, with all the power to punish a little girl who's done nothing wrong, to me, that alone makes you unfit to serve the American people. Because look, 
If you don't care about your own granddaughter, why in the world would I ever think you'd care about me as an American citizen? And I said earlier, folks, they don't. They don't care about us. They care about themselves. You know, the, can you imagine a president telling his staff, you are not to recognize that child as my granddaughter? Now, look, fraternity tests have been taken. Hunter is the father. But for him to tell his staff, you are not to recognize that child as my granddaughter. You know what, folks? If I were on the staff of a president and I heard him say that, you know what I'd say? I'll be submitting my resignation and supporting somebody else because I am not supporting a character that despicable to be president of the United States. Because if you're that heartless toward a little child who's done nothing wrong, who is your flesh and blood, my goodness gracious, what chance do I have with you? None. And it, to me, it just goes to underscore what I've always said. These leftists, they're incapable of caring about people because what drives them is not compassion, concern, love for people. What drives them is their, their, their twisted, warped Marxist agenda. And that's always been the case for Marxists. That's what drives them. That's always been the case for these leftists. And I know they wouldn't call themselves Marxists or communists, but, but that's where they get their intellectual juice. They don't get it from Thomas Jefferson or George Washington or James Madison. They don't care anything about the Constitution. I mean, Joe Biden said that on more than one occasion. Oh, I know it's not constitutional probably for me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Really? What about this oath that you took? Oh, that doesn't matter. Because they don't care about that either. Because what's the Constitution do? Protects you and me. No, no, no. They see the Constitution merely as a tool that they can use. If it helps them, fine. If it doesn't, discard it. Move on. Now, how many of them have, have said to Joe Biden, and he's basically said so himself with this last decision on school loans, ignore what the Supreme Court says. Ignore the Constitution. You know, Harvard and Yale scholars have written articles about how important it is to just start ignoring the Constitution because they don't want anything that gets the, in the way of their agenda. Folks, people like that have got to be voted out of office. They've got to be voted out. Man, my goodness, for our own liberty, for our own survival, for the continuation of our constitutional republic, they've got to go. Because again, if you want any proof that people don't care about you and me, that these leftists, these Democrats, I had some, you, know, you all know that I'm on American Family Radio. I do a radio talk show. And when I was on earlier, I had a number of people call and say, these Democrats. That's pretty close. I, in fact, <laughs> I dare say that is completely accurate because they've come to be the party of the Antichrist. Whatever God is for, they're against. Whatever God is against, they're for. But getting it down to the personal level, when you don't care about your own grandchild, and I tell you, I've got, I've got only one grandchild, 
And I'll tell you what, folks, I would climb any mountain, cross any stream, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I would swim the ocean to protect my granddaughter and to do anything I could to help her. Now, very different circumstance, of course, but it wouldn't matter to me, frankly, because that's an innocent child and that child is born of your own flesh and blood. How can you turn your back? And my goodness gracious, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm preaching about the importance of the family and particularly in the black community of men uh, being absent and abandoning their children and all this baby mama culture that is so prevalent. That's got to be stopped. It's got to end. You don't end it with abortion. You end it with sexual purity. You end it by rebuilding the institution of marriage and saying, wait until you're married to have children. Wait until you're married to have sex. Wow, there's a revolutionary idea. Whoever heard of such a thing in this world? Well, there are Christians who are living by that. And you know what? The people who live by that don't have to concern themselves about a child being born out of wedlock or about an abortion either. That's what we've got to come back to. And this, and this family in the White House, they're nobody to lead, lead us back to that. All right, we've got another call that's just come in. Uh, is it, name again? Ann, Ann from Texas, and a partner with Andrew Walmick Ministries. Ann, welcome to the program. Thank you, E.W. Thank you for taking my call. You know, I am just irate when I consider how those who are in charge of ensuring justice is uh, served in this country are not doing their job. And so my question is, what are the alternatives to that inept DOJ? Oh, my goodness. Well, look, <laughs> inept DOJ and every other department, I don't know whether you heard I forget where this guy was from who was asked a question about the cocaine. He brought up some Hatch Act answer and then went on to spew a bunch of words that had absolutely no meaning. And folks, I am not kidding you when I say this. My thought was, well, maybe he's the guy who was doing the cocaine <laughs> because it was, it was just a string of non sequiturs, a string of meaningless statements. The Hatch Act has nothing to do with this. I can't, I can't comment because of the Hatch Act. <laughs> The Hatch Act is about um, federal officials not being involved in partisan politics, uh, particularly on the grounds of uh, when they're doing their jobs and on, on, the, uh, on the grounds of the Capitol or the, or, the, um, or the White House. There's nothing to do with answering a question about what happens as a result of this cocaine having been found. But the way we get rid of this DOJ, and that's the only hope we have, we've got to get rid of it is we've got to elect a president who cares about the American people. We got to elect a president who will say the following. Under my administration, the Department of Justice will bring to bear every bit of power it has to protect the rights of the American people, their First Amendment rights to freedom of speech, to freedom of religion, their right to keep and bear arms, their right to due process without being denied or discriminated against 
on the basis of the color of their skin or, or anything else in terms of immutable characteristics, which is skin color, gender, national origin, ancestral background, whatever. Uh, and, and, and I will bring the, all the, the power of the Justice Department to bear uh, on any company, any entity, any state that tries to deny an American his or her freedom of speech or freedom of religion or to punish them based on the fact that they believe that the Bible is true and what it says about homosexuality, what it says about abortion, what it says about gender are true. Punishing those people will bring the swift action of the justice system against you. That's what we need. Because, you know, Christians all over this country are either persecuted or silenced. Because if you dare, dare espouse any disagreement, it's just like uh, uh, Justice Gorsuch said um, about uh, the most recent case, the, um, the website case, said that not only did they want to make the woman do a website that supported homosexuality, but they wanted to send her to a seminar to teach her how she should think. And he said, what you're trying to do is force her to say things that she doesn't believe. See, the Justice Department should be all over that. They should be in there, be in there saying, as opposed to doing what they're doing now, which is siding with those who would persecute Christians and persecute Americans for the exercise of their freedom of speech and freedom of religion, when they should be in there defending those people. The Justice Department should have been defending Coach Joe Kennedy. The Justice Department should have been defending Jack Phillips. The Justice Department should have been defending the Klein family. These are all people, uh, uh, Kelvin Cochran down in uh, Atlanta, who was fired for teaching that marriage is a union between one man and one woman. Fired by the mayor, saying that we can't have people on our staff that think like that. Now they had to pay him a million dollars in damages for having kicked him off his job, which was found to be unlawful discrimination. He was represented by ADF. He should have been represented by the United States government, the Justice Department. So that's, that's what we need to have. We need to have a president who will do that. Because short of that, you've got a lot of Americans who are walking on pins and needles because if they say the wrong thing, just like one, one guy was told to put his pronouns in his email signature, and he refused to do that. And finally, they kept pressing him, and he put, he put his dead, designed by God. They fired him. Well, wait a minute. If you can put your pronouns down indicating your sexuality or your so-called gender identity, which you only have one gender, so there's no such thing as gender identity other than the identity that God gave you when he made you a, a male or a female. But if you can put that down, why can't you put designed by God down? Oh, no, no, we can't have that. The Justice Department should be on those cases and letting the American people know you will not be fired from your job. You will not have your business attacked. You will not be discriminated against because you're exercising your God-given right to freedom of religion, which the Constitution acknowledges and secures. That's what we do. We have a president who will do that. And I'll tell you what we, in fact, look, folks, I said, we need, we need, 
in my view, three constitutional amendments. A constitutional amendment that defines life as beginning at conception and ascribes to an unborn baby all the rights of an American and a human being. We need a constitutional amendment that defines marriage as a union between one man and one woman. Look, people can enter into any kind of agreements they want for whatever they want. And they can call it what they want. What they can't do is sue you and sue me because we won't do it. And the only way we're going to do that is with the constitutional amendment. Because the Supreme Court has already said, well, you know, same-sex marriage is, is the law of the land. But I tell you what, a constitutional amendment overrides the Supreme Court. And then thirdly, we need a constitutional amendment that defines gender as only two, male and female, man or woman, boy or girl, period. And you know, we had those things in place, guess what? A lot of the arguments are over and all the court cases are over, done. And people can live however they want in their private lives, but they can't force you and me to have to cooperate with them. And they can't force our children to have to hear the polemic that they want to engage in to convince our children that what we teach them about their gender is wrong. Well, look, folks, that's gonna do it. God bless each and every one of you. Look, we're, God is bringing us an awakening. It's happening. You're part of it. I'm part of it. These Supreme Court cases are part of it. You stand up, step up, speak up, refuse to back up, because we cannot be defeated if we will not quit, because we are on God's side. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.